0: Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Business Growth Show, where we talk about all components of business and how to utilize them for exponential growth. My name is Ethan Cassiotis. I'm a business growth expert where business owners grow and scale to create wealth and freedom. And today I have an awesome guest. Her name is Angela Johnson. She's a certified scrum trainer, agile guide, and the founder of Collaborative Leadership Team. And in 2010, she founded the company to provide education and consulting services to clients adopting Scrum and Agile. And she was successful at helping others begin their Agile journey, but wanted a better way to share the highs and lows any Scrum team faces in their journey. And she needed a Scrum team of her own. So in 2014, she renamed her company to Collaborative Leadership Team and began assembling the Dream Team. And CLT takes an Agile approach to manage their service organization. And the company serves many organizations undergoing this journey, including software, hardware, services, marketing, and more. And the depth of co-lead team's experience extends beyond Scrum and includes Kanban, extreme programming, facilitation, and organizational change for business agility. And a graduate of Hamlin University, BA, and at University of St. Thomas, MBC, Angela focuses her work on the upper Midwestern areas of the United States to best serve in her most important roles as a wife and mum. Welcome, Angela Johnson, and thank you for being on my show.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Yeah, you're very welcome. I'm sure it's going to be an amazing show for everyone watching and listening today. So you're a very successful entrepreneur. So for those people who don't know who you are, please introduce yourself by telling us more about you and your journey.
1: Well, you and I were chatting a little bit about my background being in databases and administering those in software development. I fell into project management. The company that I was working for thought, well, you must be able to manage these software projects because you know a little bit about writing software. And it just never really felt right to me. I felt like a bit of an adult daycare provider, you know, checking up on people and whatnot. And so when I found Agile and Scrum, to me, it just made common sense, right? Empowered teams, setting a direction and letting them figure it out. And so in 2010, I honestly didn't set out to come up with a company, you know, like some entrepreneurs do. Some entrepreneurs are very intentional with what they want to do. All I knew was why should these other people take a bigger cut of the pie just for doing a little extra paperwork? You know, they were making margin on my services. Why can't I do that for myself? And so as I established the organization, I got busy. And so I attracted like-minded individuals and all of a sudden I had a team. So that's when we really got serious, when we rebranded the collaborative leadership team and decided we're going we're gonna to do this better and differently than other people. As an entrepreneur, I have not stopped thinking about what's next. In 2019, right before the global pandemic, we vertically integrated our need for space because we have wanted a really awesome place for people to come to take our classes. And then we licensed that space out to other people who need a place for a professional meeting space right before a global pandemic, huh? Let's open an 8,000 square foot event center as a side hustle. And then it has to be closed down. <laughs> so post COVID two things that we're loving for adapting our own businesses uh, uh, services, right? So staying agile. One, I'm talking to you. So globally, right? We're able to meet people all over by flipping some of our classes and services to being online on camera, virtual via Zoom. But the part about licensing our space out to other people is booming, because so many companies during the pandemic let their own real estate go, but now they want a, a space to get together for a board meeting or for a training class or for an event. And they love that they can come to our space and use it. It's not co-working because we don't lock people into memberships or anything like that. So definitely enjoying some successes from that little side hustle that started in our business right before the pandemic.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Love the journey of uh where it's come from and those uh, deeper things there. And, uh, and I love it, right. Getting a space and, and you've got to be agile and, and you've got to change, right. You've got to pivot mm-hmm. when you know, things that you don't expect are going to happen are going to happen. Um, so you're, you're a very big Testament of that and awesome that you're able to now bring people together. I think, yeah, the, uh, the, the office situation has definitely changed. I know here in Australia, Um, you know, it's very much a hybrid model now. So people are looking at halving, you know, how many seats they have and and doing more of this, like what you were talking about, you know, just hiring spaces for particular things. So um, awesome that you've got the flexibility there to do it your own, but also allow others to do that. So yeah, Yeah. love that. Um, Very cool, Angela. And um, so let's talk a bit more about um, Scrum now, because I think um, some people are going, What are you talking about? Uh, What is this Scrum thing um, like there? Some people obviously in the industry will know what this means, but tell us more about what Scrum is. Totally inspired by
1: the game of rugby, which you all probably know more about than those of us in my country. Uh, There was a 1986 Harvard Business Review article that started this whole movement. The two professors who were talking about organizations that were doing work differently said that they observed people getting together in these huddles and they called those huddles a rugby like formation people working together to get a goal accomplished. Right. And if you think about a scrummage in rugby, you know, getting that ball going in the same direction, because if we pull in different directions, working against each other in our companies, we're not going to meet our goals and objectives. So some people think scrum is an acronym and it's not, it's totally, you know, that metaphor is totally from the game of rugby, that scrummage people working together in a rugby like approach. And so, uh, the formal aspect of that framework came about in 1993 when the two creators of scrum created the, the scrum guide, they wrote a paper that became the scrum guide. And now we have of course certifications and training classes and all those fun things that people can learn more about it. And that's what I do. I'm one of about 250 certified scrum trainers on the planet who can help people become scrum masters or become product owners or work this way as a team in that rugby like formation.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Love that. And uh, at the time of this recording, the Rugby World Cup has just finished. This will uh, come out a little bit later, but the timing of it is impeccable um, on that one there. So love it. And um, yeah, there's always different ways of working as a team. So very interesting. And you also do Agile, right? So let's talk about, you know, whether there's some similarities or what are the differences here to understand more about what Agile is as well.
1: Scrum is considered Agile, but Agile isn't necessarily Scrum which sounds super confusing, but it's kind of like saying, um, you know, I drive a car. Well, what kind of car, right? What, what make and model is it? So Scrum had been in existence since 1993, but so had other methods that were specific to software development, like extreme programming, dynamic system development. And so the creators of all these different frameworks got together. They made up at a ski resort in Utah in 2001, February, 2001. And so they chatted with each other about where they had some similar ideas. So they wrote their ideas down in a manifesto that they called Agile, all of their ways of working poised businesses to pivot, to adapt. So Scrum is one of those Agile approaches but so is extreme programming. So is dynamic system development method. And in the year 2023, we do have a lot of people using those interchangeably, but that's one of the first places I start with organizations. If they're using the A word, if they're saying agile, 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 like, hang on a minute. What do you mean by agile? Cause you could just mean small a, like pivoting, like you were talking about earlier. <laughs> or do you mean one of the frameworks? Oh, we mean one of the frameworks. Well, which one? Scrum is popular. It's, it's one of the most popular ones. So generally people will answer Scrum, but there are some of the other frameworks that were represented there too.
0: Yeah, awesome. Love that. Um, yeah, I'm just thinking of myself going down a ski slope or something, not that I've been skiing before, but being agile, um, you know, changing it up. very
1: important. <laughs>
0: yes, that's right. I, I I can always dream, right? Um, maybe, uh maybe I'll get a, a white Christmas. We, we get summer Christmases over here. We don't get the white ones uh, in Australia, like you guys do um, in the US. So hopefully one day I'll be able to enjoy that uh, a little bit more, but um, yeah, cool. Love that. And um, all the different frameworks um, that are behind that. And you're also the author of the scrum master files. um, Very cool book cover as well. I must say, yes. Love that. Very, very cool. (laughs) Um, It's uh, definitely uh, a good one. And um, so tell us a bit more about, I guess, why you created it and and how it can help us.
1: Hey, I always say uh, it was third time's a charm because when I set out to write a book, About 10 years ago, I was very foolishly sitting down to to uh, kind of chronicle one of my customers journeys through using agility, through using Scrum. And as I was interviewing them and talking about putting their stories together, it never felt right. And part of me just had this overwhelming sense of this isn't your story it's their story i mean you taught them but they ultimately had to make the choices they ultimately had to do the hard work you shouldn't be doing this so i just stopped right i just got kind of oh defeated then i was talking to a friend of mine who wrote a book about teamwork and he's like well you should talk about where things go wrong and how to make it right and as i started writing it it felt very very prescriptive and none of these things is prescriptive this is this is more of a framework this is way too contextual experience-based. And so what started to really resonate with my students is when I would tell them about my failures, first attempt in learning. That's what fail stands for. And what I wish I would have done differently. And that's really what this became. So in the book, it's a collection of six of my very specific case studies, but I take people through exactly what happened, where it went wrong, how to have avoided it in the first place. And I've anonymized them to the point where there's not a single personal pronoun. So it literally puts you in the case study. And so if there's people who are newer to this, they can kind of learn vicariously through my experience. If they're looking to paint a mental picture about what some of these scenarios a scrum master may find themselves in. And so that's been a big hit. So third time's a charm, right?
0: <laughs> love that awesome and i love the acronym for fail as well uh that's the first time i've heard that specific one um so very very cool too and, and love that yeah you, you kept going and you adjusted and found out what worked the best and what you know resonated most with others and i think that's a key business lesson right is not doing what you think is best but what what p- connects with people more and what is best for them um so right. love, love that um And you talk a lot about being a scrum master, right? And we all, you know, should be striving for mastery in whatever we want to do um, to continue getting better. So what people skills are really necessary to be a great scrum master?
1: Of course, I would say people skills, people skills, more people skills. So they need to be an active listener, pretty hard to listen when we're talking, And I always say Scrum Masters need to listen not only with their ears, but they need to listen with their eyes. And the distance learning, the remote work has made it a little bit challenging, but look at you and I, we've got our cameras on, we can see each other's facial expressions, body language, things like that. So Scrum Master has to have all those soft skills, active listening, empathy, emotional intelligence. They can't shy away from conflict. So really great conflict resolution skills. So even though we were talking before about the game of rugby, I mean, I I, I don't know if y'all have referees, but they may have to don their black and white stripes and grab a whistle, right? And be the person breaking something up every once in a while or helping people through tough times in conflict. So there's a lot of those soft skills that scrum masters, even though master of scrum, kind of a sensei has to bring to the table. So there's no sort of Oh, they need to be somebody who used to code or somebody who used to, you know, do database administration like I did. Mm-mm, I really like the people stuff. I I'm more of a people geek, so I really gravitated towards that. I was happy to let the hard skills or the the tangible skills go and embrace those soft skills when I became a Scrum Master.
0: Yeah, love that. And you know, they're saying the studies that's the most important thing, right? Because anyone can learn more of the hard skill, but it's 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 in you know mastering those soft skills where Um, because everyone's got different personalities, different ways of looking at the world of how you create a great team, right? Because you can't do the same thing for everybody um, because everybody works differently um, in that way and how we communicate um, to them and and how we pick up those cues, like you said, uh, with the body language and and everything else. Um, So love all of that as well. And one thing you mentioned there was about, you know, putting on the referee and, and you know, um, mm-hmm. navigating conflict. <laughs> so I think, you know, th- there can be a lot of conflict, right, um, that happens in the team for whatever reason, whether it's with yourself directly or within team members there and making sure that, you know, we're, we're getting back um, on track to where we need to be heading. So what can we do when, when, you know, if we go a bit more specific now about navigating that conflict to make sure that we're, um, yeah, getting back on track as soon as possible?
1: It depends on the nature of the conflict, because not all conflict is bad. Some people think, you know, the word conflict, ooh, fighting, arguing. Sure, it can be those kinds of things. It can also just be somebody doesn't understand another person. I don't understand you. You don't understand me. And so a scrum master who's really actively listening, instead of it being deemed as a negative conflict, it might just be them facilitating, helping The two people understand each other so they can paraphrase, they can paraphrase what they heard. Sometimes they can mirror, which is just literally saying the word verbatim. And by a third party, just a a different voice saying it sometimes that clears up the confusion, but when it is emotional and when it is negatively charged, I never underestimate the power of a timeout. It's okay to call for a break. It's okay to say, let's get back together in five minutes. It's okay to let everybody go to their corners and follow up individually, especially if it's between two people. So talking to one of them, talking to the other one, then bringing everybody back, or even in the moment, making yourself that person who's going to direct. So saying, let me see if I can help. And for the purposes of not making this worse, let me start with one of you and then i will you know direct the question to the other one so really hardcore facilitation those are some things that i would try if it was a negative situation firstly always the timeout <laughs>
0: I love that. And that's very rugby based as well, right? Cause they have the sin bin where they send people out for like 10 minutes or something like that. If they get to, you know, bad tackle or, or whatever there. Um, so, you know, very, very uh, yeah, relevant with, um, you know, those the scrum and, and that element there. And, and you're right. Cause um, you know, just generally with, with business, right. If um, you know, with emotions, they can cloud our our judgment and our decisions. And that's both ways, being quite negative emotion or being quite positive even emotion, right? So um, just allowing that to to go back to equilibrium uh, for people. Sometimes you just need a few breaths or a few minutes um, there can be very powerful um, in that moment uh, to go. And, and I think it's also around, um, you know, for you, I think as a leader and a manager now, we, we need to have some sort of coaching skills. Like I've done NLP master practitioner training and understanding, okay, what, what are the questions? How do we help people, right, um, here? and um, But a lot of people maybe don't have that training just yet, right? And they, they're on the path to learning more about how to coach and teach and everything like that. So what are some things that you can help us, I guess, like identifying? Because it's really realizing that moment, right? And then going, okay, what do I do here to best identify these coachable and teachable moments for, for our team?
1: There's such a tendency for some of us in leadership positions, or even if a newer scrum master has the best of intentions to try to put their hands all over the work or here, let me get in there and do this for you. I would say caution, 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 because if you're going to take that person's ball away, they're not learning anything. You're taking their learning opportunity away when you need to let them reflect on what's going on. So the best thing you can do is pause and not put your hands all over somebody else's work. That's what I call it. I'm like, get your hands off their work. But then ask a lot of questions that can reflect or force that person into self-reflection. So even one of my own team members was going on and they were kind of uh, talking about how they weren't very good at something. So I said, yet, what do you mean? I said, well, you're not good at it yet. So what would it take? You know, so sitting around and saying you're not good at it, that's just going to create more of that. But if you start focusing on what you can do or what it would take to get you to the next step, let's talk about that. Oh, okay. So then we started having that conversation. Another thing is the assumptions we all make, you know, this little voice inside our head that likes to just talk to us 24 seven. So if somebody is just really getting into their own ego and they start using a lot of Words like always, never, very, you know, those aren't very helpful. So what do we know for sure? What are the facts of the situation? What, let's get down to just the facts. And rarely is it as bad as somebody thought it was initially. And rarely is it as good as it could be either. So we just focus on the facts and then talk about what we can do next. What can we do next that would add value? What could you do next that would get you towards that goal? So those are some of the little tidbits I try to work in when I'm talking to people on my own team and then also teach people in our classes that are looking to be a a stronger scrum master or coach.
0: Yeah, I love that. So much gold um, in that area there. And, you know, one little tip that I'll give to people, right, is that um, don't use why questions, use what and how questions. That's a very simple way because, if you ask a child if they break a plate and go, "Why did you do that?" Well, I don't know. Like you know, it just happened, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> like that. But if you said, "Oh, what made you, you know, um, break the plate, or, or how did that happen, or something like that," they, you know, you, you're allowing them to then express it better. Um, so that would be my little tip. On top of that, you, you buy a lot of gold, but just to simplify it for people, um, ask the what and how questions um, in those moments, and that will allow that reflection. Or like you said, which I love around changing that mindset, which I think is so important, right? Not just us as the business owner or the entrepreneur, but the team there. If there's some limiting beliefs that are holding them back, it's, I love that example of how you reframe that and going, okay, well, how do we want to look at this moving forward and, 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 you know, focusing on those really beliefs. So loved, um, yeah. loved that section there. Pretty powerful. Awesome. Um, so I guess you, I believe self-published, right? Um, the mm-hmm. book, here as well, which I, I did. I, yes, which is a big one. And a lot of people, I think, would be like, oh, a book, it's big. And, you know, maybe they're thinking chat GPT now, but I think you should write a book yourself still, right? Don't use AI or anything like that on what you're doing. Um, But there's there's a lot of benefit because, yes, you can get publishing companies, but are they going to take it? And they take a big portion of that. But a big you know thing is is self-publishing, right? And just doing that um, and then being able to, you know, put it out there into the market. So do you want to just tell a little bit about that process and, uh, you know, how it's helped you to, you know, to get your book to where it is.
1: For sure. In the three times a charm that I mentioned earlier, it wasn't just the direction of the book. It was exactly what you just said. Cause I started traditional publishing and I actually had a contact. They give you their, their form that you have to fill out, which is really, um, like coming up with the table of contents and like coming up with a a chapter or two. It's, it's, it's daunting. It's just overwhelming what they want you to turn in even before they'll entertain the conversation. So I had done the initial pitch and they were like, yep, I'm bored. Do all this. Oh, so demotivating. And then my friend that I mentioned on round two, who was a published author that was trying to help told me they had done it through a ghostwriter. So you mentioned chat GPT, which really wasn't a thing At that time when I was, you know, talking to my friend and got the ghostwriter on board and I did pay this person an enormous amount of money and they did work as an editor and ghostwriter at a very large publisher, it wound up sounding like him and didn't sound anything like me. The voice was just terrible. And then with the, the scrummy and agile stuff, if somebody really doesn't understand that they can do more damage then good. And so I wound up correcting all these things and got frustrated and then just let it sit during the pandemic is when one of my friends, who's actually a competitor to me, but we're, we're friends. We were just having a chat and he self publishes and he's like, get off your butt and Just do it. If I can do it, anybody can do it. And his wife is a very talented artist. And he's like, she'll even illustrate it for you. And so that's how I, I got going on that. So I did self-publish through Amazon. I did record my own audiobook, got in a little booth here, turned on the microphone and uh, published via Audible. My husband produced it. So he learned how to edit and make me sound amazing. Some of my students did quality control on it. I sent them the files and said, tell me where I could do better or where I have mistakes. And then um, when you self-publish through Amazon, there's an option to do kindle which you can do you know through them to do electronically so those are the three mediums it's in right now is audible kindle and paperback somebody asked me if i wanted to do hardcover i'm not really interested amazon now has that option and i could but the the value of this for my students for me i want to see this thing bent i want to see post it notes sticking out of it i want to see it highlighted and Thrown in somebody's bag, the the worst thing for me would be to see a hardcover sitting on a shelf that's never touched. No, I want this thing read and used and being their their companion, right? their go-to guide. So I, I'm a big fan of self-publishing, as you can tell. So that's what did it for me.
0: Yeah, awesome. Thanks for sharing that journey and um, showing that it's possible, right? Like to do it, you know, a lot of it yourself or getting some help and feedback, you know from people around you. Uh, that you could work it out right in that way and get it in your voice um in that way which uh yeah i'm in the process of you know looking at my book as well so um it's it's great to hear other people doing that and then amazon giving us that opportunity um to be able to do that as well so love that um let's talk about prioritizing now because i think this is a key topic here and you know i think a lot of people including myself sometimes it can be challenging right and ah you know, you've got the little matrices of urgent, important, or, you know, I've got all the urgent stuff and everything like that. But, um, you know, that can take you away from actually being really efficient in what you do. So do you want to talk about people think, you know, they've got all these priorities, but then, you know, there's some challenges there of how we can look at that and, um, you know, really be more efficient in what we do.
1: If everything is priority, nothing is. So it's really hard to say, well, it's all priority. Because if you were to say that to somebody on your team or to any one of your employees, they'd be like, oh, well, I guess it's up to me to guess. Well, then how dare we get mad at them if they guess wrong? Well, that's not what I would have done first. You've got to give me direction. So as leaders, it's really, really important to give the direction. And so something has to be one, something has to be two, something has to be three depending on the type of business we're in, I think you and I are both in in services organizations. So for us, a lot of the things that drive priority or the order is the calendar. You know, it's client facing work or are we face-to-face or are we online? The calendar runs our world at my company. So certainly for the things we're doing online, but also the physical presence, are we going to have guests in our space? That may not apply, to another type of business or a brick and mortar type business, you know, there may be a business that supplies parts or goods to another industry. For them, it might be orders, it might be revenue generation. To another type of business, it might be cost savings or time savings. It might be elements of all of those things playing into ordering. So oftentimes, it's not just one piece of criteria or one thing that drives that order. Although some of the matrices out there or some of the techniques would love to have you believe that, just follow these things, it's that simple. It's rarely that simple because there's all those different aspects that come into play.
0: Yeah, love that, so true. And um, really knowing those those key metrics and what you need to be focusing on as those priorities that that grow the business um, there and not being, yeah. bog down with the other things, um, really, yeah, prioritizing your day accordingly. Don't do emails for four hours at the start of your day, right? Um, <laughs> that's a, uh, that's a key one.
1: Just <laughs> a way to make your day just go into that black hole.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, so I'd love to hear your experience with coaching and mentoring now, because um, I think uh, it's important, um, you know, in business outside of that, whatever it is um, in a business and a life uh, and about how that's helped you, you know, to grow and and helped you to achieve what you've done in your life as well.
1: The word coaching for me, I don't know where you're at with that word. Um, In the last couple of years, it seems it's been a bit subverted. It's been a bit washed out. It seems like everyone's a coach, right? You know, it's like, go change your LinkedIn profile and you're a coach. I love the word mentoring and I'm glad that you included that. Because um, I'll use the the coaching analogies from sports, and sometimes people don't get it. And you, when you talk about a true coach, they aren't running out onto the field and ripping the ball out of the players' hands. That's not coaching. You know, coaches give feedback. Coaches ask tough questions. So the reason I like mentoring is I think it's more honest for what I do. Uh, there are times when I've literally had to show or to model scrum master behavior, even if that's stepping in and facilitating a conversation with the junior person watching me, listening, frantically writing things down, and then having them do it next. And then I give feedback. But for me modeling and literally showing them how to do it That's not really coaching all the time. Not when you look at a lot of the coaching definitions that are out there. So I see that as more of a mentor. And when we have engagements, whether with it's a student one-on-one engaging us in what they would call a coaching capacity or a company engaging us that way, we answer questions from our experience based on using Agile and Scrum and all the years we've been working that way. If you looked at the International Coaching Federation, that would be a no-no. Coaches don't answer how-to questions. That's not coaching. So I love mentoring. I love mentoring and guiding. I think it's more honest. And I think it also can set us apart in a world where everybody all of a sudden is being called a coach.
0: Yeah, completely agree with that. And, And that's why I definitely use both of the words. And it's interesting in different countries as well, I found like the you know the US compared mm-hmm. to Australia, the way they think of those words and you know everything only has the meaning you give it, right? Like any word, for mm-hmm. a lot of people. So I think um, yeah, very very interesting um, there. And and I think you need a combination, especially when you have the experience. If you're if you're new, obviously it's going to be more of a coaching capacity because you're just going to be asking the right questions. But once you as you're building experience up, then um, you know. Sharing that and and mentoring uh, people, and you know everything is so important. Um- there and, and and that combination of it. So love that answer. Um so so true and, and and great that you've um yeah being able to do that and and being able to model I think modeling um you know with NLP that I've learned is the quickest way, right, to get to where mm-hmm. you want to be and that's where showing that and then and then I think that's I think for everybody here today, right, is that if you want to be something, if you want to be a master at scrum or whatever that is, right, find people that are a master at that. And go, okay, well, what are they doing? How do I model them? Actually looking yeah. at it that write notes, you know, understand their beliefs, um, all of those things, um, their behaviors, and and implement, right? And that's gonna be the quickest way to be able to get there faster, right? For sure. Yeah, love that. And um, yeah, so it's been uh it's been really powerful, um, you know, here today with with what you've shared with us. I have loved uh, getting into scrum mode uh, with you and and learning uh, all these little intricacies um, and and so true about how we work with the team and how we do it differently. Um, And I'm sure, um, yeah, the book's uh, really powerful as well. And I guess as we're uh, starting to wrap up, um, you know, here today as well, what, what one key piece of advice would you like to give to all the entrepreneurs watching and listening today?
1: Entrepreneurs especially. Gotta love the grind. I've been doing this for 13 years. And what keeps me going is the grind. People think it sounds glamorous to work for yourself, but there are days you just got to wash the dishes. There are days you just got to get through that inbox. And so if you can set up daily routines, even if it feels like a grind sometimes, that is what's going to keep you around, right? That's what's going to keep you keeping on. So got to love the grind. There'll be the fun days, but there's going to be the grind days. Learn to love the grind days.
0: Yeah, love that. I completely agree. It's that focus and discipline, right? With the journey mm-hmm. of up and down of business. And you just got to put in the hard yards and, and love that grind that way you can. So, love that. Um, very, very powerful. And yeah, we connected. Our so I learned about your awesome journey from doing the variety of roles, then founding, you know, the collaborative leadership team. Um, you're an amazing woman, so knowledgeable, and I'm sure you continue to take an agile approach and a scrum approach, you know, to managing organizations there. Uh, very grateful we connect and look forward to working with you. So Angela, how can people find you and get in contact with you?
1: The easiest way is LinkedIn. But with a name like Angela Johnson, there's like 32,000 of them on LinkedIn. So you got to put in Angela Johnson Scrum. And then my face will pop right up. Angela Johnson Scrum. And then you can also go to scrumfiles.com. Out on scrumfiles.com, you can order an autographed copy of the book if you would like. But we also have a free download for people who visit scrumfiles.com.
0: Beautiful. Awesome. Well, um, yeah, check out Angela on LinkedIn, as well as uh, scrumfiles.com with the book. Um, you know, I'm sure it's amazing. It looks very cool. I'll definitely be getting myself a copy of that um, as well and uh, learning more about how we can, yeah, implement more scrum and and taking it from there. And and uh, thank you to everyone for watching and listening to this show where we talk about everything on business growth. And please like, subscribe, and leave us a five-star review. And you can find me on LinkedIn. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube is Ethan Cassiotis or visit my website, athancassiotis.com. If you want to grow and scale your business, you reach out to me on any platform to see if we're a good fit. I completely agree with you, or do I? The only way we know is if you tune in next time. So until next time, remember that our business grows when we learn skills and take action using them in spite of fear. So remember to design your growth and results.